I think for somebody that maybe isn't what we look for, but maybe if you're you know, concerned about your relative, is to make sure you know what's going on in your relative's life and have that daily conversation with them. Um, just as we would if we see something concerning, you know, you don't see those financial transactions like we do. So if you're not having those tough conversations with your relatives, um, then somebody else is going to be talking to them and, and coercing them into doing these things that we, we don't want to happen. Welcome to the Community Conversation Podcast presented by Community America Credit Union. We have a compelling and impactful story to tell, and our goal with these conversations will never be to sell you something. We would rather have an important discussion with our very talented employees, leaders, members, community partners, and experts from a variety of industries and causes to help educate and inform you. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast for some important disclosures. Hey, y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. I'm your host today, Justin Rickliffs, partner of Community America Credit Union. And today we are going to be discussing financial exploitation. So uh, there's a lot to it. So we're going to jump right in. Roxanne Doss is a familiar voice on the podcast, Manager of Fraud and Financial Investigation. So Roxanne, thanks for rejoining us. Absolutely. Thank you. Good to have you back. And we're joined by a new voice, Amanda Roberts, who is an investigations analyst here at the credit union. So Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Uh, For those who don't remember your exact role, Roxanne, give us a quick reset of your role here um, and kind of the the department you lead and, and what the focus is for your team. You got it. My department is the fraud and financial investigations team, and I'm the manager. Um, We investigate anything non-card fraud related. Cool. Thank you for that reset. And Amanda, if you wouldn't mind kind of introing yourself and your role to the to our listeners, that'd be awesome. Of course. I'm Amanda Roberts. I've been with the credit union for about two years, um, but I've actually worked in fraud for close to 13. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're grateful for obviously both of y'all's time and, and expertise and, and specifically as we think about and talk about this topic, financial exploitation. So uh, not necessarily a new concept in your world or in the fraud world, but but certainly the ways in which fraudsters are, are taking advantage and manipulating victims um, is evolving every day. So uh, today we're going to help folks learn how to spot some of these manipulation tactics and how to look out for obviously ourselves, but but also, and maybe more importantly, our elderly family members who may be unsuspecting to this type of exploitation. So I think maybe the most helpful way to, to jump into this big topic, Roxanne, is can you define for us the, what is financial exploitation? Like, let's start with the definition and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yes, uh, financial exploitation is a misappropriation of financial resources or abusive use of financial control. Um, It's usually in a relationship where there's an expectation of trust, uh, which causes harm to that elderly person. Hmm. And when you say expectation of trust, is is there kind of a a rough way that we can walk into the the percentages or the the, the level in which um, fraud takes place in a scam type of a way or an anonymous, anonymous type of a way versus a trusted relationship? Yes. So industry-wide uh, financial exploitation is only 10% scams. Mm. So that other 90% is when a trusted abuser is involved. 
um, which in our world we see most of the 10%, um, but in actuality, financial exploitation is mostly um, caretakers and other individuals that um, have that close relationship with that elderly that's individual. A, that's amazing. 90%. Amanda, how do, um, as, as we're thinking about the specific who, who is involved in financial exploitation? Um, it could be anybody, a family member, a caretaker, you know, maybe a, a person working in adult facilities, hmm. um, neighbors, friends from the past. A lot of times you see, um, especially with social media, um, people may reach out to these individuals claiming to be a person from their past, um, a friend from high school, and hmm. uh, it turns out to just not, not be the real person. They're just impersonating them. Man, and and on the victim side, Roxanne, some uh, give us some some possible folks who who may be on the victim side. Yeah, victims um, don't always have to be elderly. It could be somebody that's recently lost a spouse. It could be somebody who has a disability that relies on others for financial decisions. Um, a lot of the time, it does fall for the elderly as they're more isolated. Yeah, and, and in that isolation, um, I think, you know, we're, it's going to be a key theme of the conversation here around the, the trusted or supposed trusted relationship in that 90%. Um, as you are thinking about some red flags and maybe some practical ways for us to start understanding the types of behaviors, the types of activity, um, what are some of those red flags? What should a person a concerned person, whether that's a family member, a member who maybe is caring for an elderly parent or grandparent, what, what are what are some red flags for the beginnings of, of hey, man, I, I feel something feels off here. What are some of those red flags for suspicious activity? Yeah, it could be anything from like items missing from your home, um, maybe money missing from your, your checking account. Um, Maybe they're making up stories to explain mm. why things are missing or funds mm. are missing. Um, forgetting transactions. You know, I've seen where they visit the branch several times a week to make sure they've made that credit card payment when they really made it a week ago. Mm. Um, Another red flag could be something, <clears throat> maybe someone in your relative's life that wasn't there before and this relative is, you know, telling you stories about how they visit them frequently or they call them frequently mm. Um, and you don't know who this person is, or maybe it's somebody that's coming around the house saying that they could do some work for this individual. Um, it could be a caretaker that is the, you know, the missing items from the home, um, is usually a caretaker or somebody coming into the home. Um, so that's something to watch for. Um, maybe it's something you notice about your relative's, um, demeanor, right? So maybe it's something where they are becoming more withdrawn. Um, you know, a lot of the times victims of these um, exploitation uh, are embarrassed. They don't want mm. to have that conversation with the relative about what's happening. Um, it's something that they may have a relationship with that person that is a good and um, positive relationship. You know, they're talking to them daily mm. and they don't want to lose that just because they do realize they're getting scammed and they don't want to admit to that. Mm. Yeah. You, you, you know, when you think about that population there, there's typically, you know, other life factors at play. Maybe they've lost a spouse. Maybe they, 
um, have have lost some piece of their identity if they're not working any longer, or they've been um, removed from their the home they've been in for a long time, and now they're in a different facility or, or whatever. And so, to think about those, and Roxanne, you said it well. But when the when the isolation and the withdrawal, um, some of that comes with maybe some shame or some embarrassment or some guilt, even of like, gosh, dang it, I know. This probably isn't the healthiest thing for me, but these other benefits from this supposed trusted relationship feel feel pretty real. I, I'd, I'd be curious if there were, you know, kind of buckets or, or typical stories that you you all might have encountered over the years here at the credit union around, some, just to give people some examples or some context into how this has taken place in the real world. Um, yeah, so this person... Um their spouse did recently pass away. They were living by themselves. Um, they met someone online who promised them, you know, they were going to move here and 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 basically save them. Um, they claimed to be wealthy, um, but they claimed to be stuck overseas, and they needed her help to uh, get back home. Mm. Um, you know, she trusted this person. She really believed that they were telling her the truth. Uh, she even went as far as, you know, taking retirement funds to send over to him um, and eventually ended up selling her house to move into an apartment because she believed that she that she believed mm. he was moving here to mm. to save her. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of what we see is transaction-based. So we'll see um, unusual activity, maybe large wire coming in or going out, um, just something that isn't the normal activity for this member. Um, and how we react to that is we have um, somebody from the front line reach out to that member and have a conversation with them. Like, what's going on? Tell us who this person is. Do you really know this person? Um, and I think that's where a lot of our information comes from of, you know, the member telling us, well, you know, it's so-and-so from overseas and they're going to come visit me. And that's where those red flags are huge for us where, okay, we need to dive a little deeper and see what's really going on with this individual. Um, I think for somebody that maybe isn't, you know, what we look for, but maybe if you're, you know, concerned about your relative, um, <clears throat> is to make sure you know what's going on in your relative's life and have that daily conversation with them. Um, just as we would if we see something concerning. You know, you don't see those financial transactions like we do. So if you're not having those tough conversations with your relatives, um, then somebody else is going to be talking to them and, and coercing them into doing these things that we, we don't want to happen. Yeah, help, help us understand even, <laughs> even sometimes beyond the, the financial implications. And, and, and Amanda, you mentioned um, home sale and uh, Roxanne, I think you, you've talked um, in separate conversations about deeds being transferred. I mean, there, this this isn't simply a oh we got access to a checking account and there's a now a list of transactions that can be traced. I mean, these you mentioned things being gone from the home. I mean, talk talk about the breadth even beyond just the 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 cash transaction basis that may be impacted here. Yeah, so we've definitely um, heard of situations uh, where deeds have been transferred to individuals, um, maybe not a relative, maybe it was a caretaker. Um, <clears throat> we usually get involved when it comes to power of attorneys a lot. Um, you know, one family member may have power of attorney and then another family member comes in with a power of attorney. Um, that's where, as a financial institution, we are required to involve the state, um, you know, get a, a non-biased person involved 
Um, yeah, that, no, that, that makes tons of sense. Uh, Amanda, I'd be curious when, obviously from a family member perspective, you, you all have been helpful in kind of helping folks think about ways to, to care for and be, be aware of this for a, for a family member. What do the, what do the fraud investigators, what are the investigation analyst type roles? What do you all begin to look for when you're identifying some of this behavior? Um, it could be like Roxanne said, wire transfers coming in or going out. Um, it could be, you know, um, debit card transactions, um, You'll see, like, a lot of times caregivers, you know, they have permission to use the debit card. They're able to go make the purchases for um, the member, maybe pick up prescriptions, and then they'll take out $500 here and there. And over the long term, you're talking about five, $6,000, and they don't even realize it at that point. Jeez. So um, something else that we see as a financial institution is when somebody is calling in with our member and they're coaching them, Mm. um, they're telling them what to say, Um, They're telling them that they want this transfer done where, you know, sometimes we can hear them in the background and know what's going on. (coughs) Excuse me. Other times it's going to take that trained eye to realize this is unusual activity for that member. And so maybe something else, something more is going on. Um, So a lot of the times these um, victims are coached into doing something that they don't want to do or coerced or, you know, manipulated. And we think it's our member doing what they want to do when in fact it isn't. Wow. Are there common things that either the elderly mem- elderly individual themselves or the family member or others involved, are there common things that, that people are, they miss or they may not be aware of to look for in suspicious activity? I think one of, one of the big things that, that a relative can look for is, um, you know, is your family member applying for credit cards that they don't need? Mm. Um, are they applying for a home equity loan that they don't need? Um, we do see a lot of applications for individuals where they list, you know, the reason of home repairs or something like that. When in fact, uh, you know, it's publisher clearinghouse tax mm. that they're having to pay because they've been a victim of a scam or something mm. like that. So, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we've we've kind of we've defined the 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 topic. We've given some red flags and some ways for and some stories of of how this has played out. Uh, let's shift gears a bit into. The, the protection mode. So how how do you all recommend and coach and, and, and consult with members around how to protect, obviously, your, your own immediate family, but um, more so your extended family, your elderly individuals in your family? How, what are some ways that you all are teaching how to protect uh, against some of this behavior? Um, I think it's a good idea to have a joint signer um, on your accounts or a power of attorney. Um, You know, that person that you trust, it can be a relative, it could be a church member, a pastor, um, it could be a neighbor, anybody that you trust that's going to have, you know, a second eye to make sure that you are are protected. A second eye with your benefit in mind, not their own. Absolutely. Um, You know, online banking, that's a good resource. You know, check that daily to make sure that nothing else is happening. Um, do not give out your credentials mm. to this person. Check online banking activity to make sure that everything, you know, is on the up and up. Um, another red flag we see is like cash app transactions or Venmo. Um, for elderly individuals, a lot of them don't even know what that is. But these, mm. you know, uh, caretakers are setting this up saying, oh, you know, this is how you can pay me. And then they will transfer more funds out than mm. what they should have been. 
Yeah, that's helpful. Roxanne, how about other ways to protect the, the family member? Um, as far as what the credit you can do, we can certainly um, be a soundboard for you to come in with your relative and have that discussion of what's the next best step for them. Is it something where we need to add that person as a joint owner or conservatorship maybe or something like that? Um, if there isn't anybody for that elderly member, it may be something where we do involve the state. Um, you know, they do have requirements where they will go and visit that individual to see what kind of situation they're really in to see how they can assist too. So there's lots of um, organizations that are focused on adult protective services um, so they can certainly go to those websites um, or they can call their hotlines to see what sort of services they can be assisted with. Yeah, that's great. Do you have any a, a list handy of, of a, a few of those sites beyond the credit union that maybe um, as as members are maybe starting to be aware of, oh, shoot, I, I should pay more attention to mom or dad's activity or grandpa's activity, et cetera. Um, what are maybe some other specific websites we could point folks to? So each county does have their own adult protective services agency. Um, so I would definitely suggest that you go and look to see what contact um, info is out there for your specific county. Um, and then there's also a federal um, initiative called the Elder Justice Initiative, and it's www.justice.gov. Um, and they have a lot of information out there to help assist you in assisting your elderly relative. Awesome. Um, okay, so we've, we've kind of walked through the the definition of it, the the ways to spot some of this activity, the how to uh, protect ourselves, and and as we as we think about wrapping this specific conversation up, I'd love to get really practical and help members understand what are some really key and critical takeaways from this conversation in order to prevent and stop financial exploitation in their families' lives. I would say to make sure the person that you're speaking to um, is actually who they say they are. You know, um, if you're sending money to an individual, make sure that you have met them in person, um, not just talk to them online or over the phone. Yep. I think when it comes to um, elder financial exploitation, it's very key to be top of mind in your relative's conversation in daily life um, because whoever is taking advantage of them it, you know, definitely has more time with them and is spending more time with them. So make sure that you take the time for them as well. Um, you know, a lot of these individuals feel like they are alone um, and we need to let them know that they're not alone and that there's resources for them. There's, you know, us, We could, they can come in and talk to us about it. Um, if it's something where, you know, you are the victim, please come in and talk with us. Um, we'd be happy to, to help you. Love it. Um, what you, you mentioned coming into a, a branch or a location at, at Community America for help, what other resources are available or is that the best course of action? Like how would you counsel members to, to take action if they suspect? Yeah, I think if you feel you're a victim, then definitely come, come and chat with us. Um, we do have um, tools at our fingertips that we would be able to help you. Um, if it's something where it's a relative or a fam you know, a friend, um, try to bring them in and talk with us as well. We, um, we definitely wouldn't mind having that conversation with you and the person you're concerned about. That's great. I, I, I don't think we can emphasize it enough. And maybe it's just my own mind getting around your, your stat Roxanne around 90% of 
fraudulent and scam activity happens with people that we supposedly know or trust. It's not just the the random um, reach out via email or a bad link or whatever. I, and so, uh, again, at, at the risk of <laughs> overstating that important fact, um, to think about the elderly folks in our lives who uh, are, are having these relationships that, that may or may not be deeply trusted, to know that 90% of that activity is coming from a relationship like that is really critical. I agree. I think if we know who our relatives are dealing with, that's, that's number one. They really just want companionship a lot of times, you know, it's, and they're going to get that from you, your family, or from an outside source. Mm -hmm. So it's just very important to, um, to stay close and make sure that you are looking out for them. Yeah, well said. Well, Roxanne, Amanda, thank you so much. This has been a, a very helpful and practical conversation that gives people real tips and tricks on how to how to pay attention, how to grow an awareness around this, and how to ultimately help um, prevent and stop financial exploitation. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to another episode <laughs> of the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. Thanks so much. This podcast is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. This recording is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to replace the advice of a loan representative or financial advisor. The examples provided are for illustration purposes only and may not apply to your situation. Since every situation is different, we recommend speaking to a loan representative or financial advisor regarding your specific needs. You may also want to contact your tax advisor for additional tax implications. Any reference to third-party websites are provided for information purposes only and are not endorsed by Community America. Please visit communityamerica.com to learn more about how we can assist you in achieving your financial peace of mind.